this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. More than 100 years ago, the United States made high school education compulsory. The educational enthusiast designed a formal education system to meet the economic demands of the Industrial Revolution. That was almost unprecedented, and it was a massive leap forward and drove a lot of economic change in the last 100 years. Fast forward to today, in our rapidly changing world, and it seems apparent that the now established education system is under stress to deliver an educational model that is consistent with the demands of society today in the 21st century. Obviously, the world is radically different now than it was then. Not only have the skills needs changed dramatically, but we are now in a global economy that we never were 100 years ago. It's no longer about Iowa competing with Minnesota, it's the United States competing with China and everyone else. And yet, when our children go to school, sometimes I feel by the time they get to me in college, there's a disconnect what I thought they should learn in my quest to help them to prepare for their future. Just exactly where this educational model is going is sometimes tough to tell because we're such a big country, but that brings us to today's guest. And this evening's guest, his name is Nick Chapman, and he is the president of an organization that I have been involved with for the last couple of years called Virtual Enterprise International. And what I love about this organization is their tagline is pretty simple, preparing all students for fulfilling financially secure futures. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest is Nick Chapman. Nick, great to have you here. Thanks, Chuck. Great to be here. Nick, before you took over the reins of this wonderful organization, we'll talk about that in just a second, talk about your evolution to virtual enterprise and what it does today. How'd you get there? Whew. Well, you know, I think that we all struggle with what we want to do, and, and that path is not always a straight line. Um, you know, I was uh, I grew up as a, as a musician, uh, and I had my sights set on changing the world of music, and I was going to be a rock star. Uh, graduated from college, packed up a U-Haul, and moved to New York City. Um, almost 20 years later, I'm not a rock star, and I'm not in music, per se. Uh, and so w how I got here was really uh, trial, error, discovery. Um, you know, I, I was temping at different jobs. I landed myself in radio, believe it or not, um, back in the early 2000s. Um, and I got a chance to learn a lot of life lessons about business, about uh, corporate culture, and things that um, I'm not sure that, that it was the path that I wanted to be on. Okay. And in that moment, it was how do I move from this path that I'm on to something that is calling me. Are you suggesting that in these four or five years in the radio, while you learned a lot of the lessons, there was something beating inside of you that said, maybe this isn't for me? Yeah, I think so. I think that what you know, what you learn as a, as a, as a young person in, in early in your career is that um, 
you know, the, the, the business world runs on, on, on all of us working together towards this, but it's not necessarily working for each of us. Uh, and, you know, you, you see this tension between uh, product and sales and bottom lines and all these things. And um, at that time, it just wasn't the path that I was interested in. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to give back. I wanted to do something that was greater than myself. I would take the subway home in dreary January and February days, and there'd be these inspirational ads up there that said, do you remember your first grade teacher's name? Who will remember yours? <laughs> and I was riding home like, oh, man. It spoke to you. I, it spoke to me. Uh, and so I got involved with a, a program called the New York City Teaching Fellows. Uh, and this was a, a program designed for people, career changers, that wanted to get into education, give back into high-need uh, schools and 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 uh, in-demand uh, education fields. So they looked at my transcript. They said, um, you were a business major. That means you took calculus. You passed calculus, right? Said, yes, I passed calculus. All right, we can get you certified as a math teacher. <laughs> that's uh, quite a leap. That, that's it, right? <laughs> So uh, they, they put me in the program that summer. They gave me six weeks of training. They threw me in a, in a high school in Coney Island, Brooklyn. They said, here's 100 freshmen. Teach them algebra. We'll see you in June. Say yes to the thing that scares you the most, Nick? <laughs> you is, say, why not? Sure. I wanted to be a rock star, but on the way, I became a math teacher yes. in the New York City school system. You that is so cool. How'd it go? As you'd imagine, uh, it was uh, scary, uh, uncertain, but... There was something so rewarding and fulfilling about it, um, you know, in, in dealing with young people and understanding that, you know, you have a purpose to help them along that way. Um, and, you know, it, it, it allowed me to kind of find myself and who I wanted to be and who I, how I wanted to give back to the city. Hmm. Uh, a lot of times people, you know, this city is made up of people that weren't necessarily born here but came here looking for something. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've, over time you find this city gives back to you when you give to the city, right? And that was something that, that was really important to me um, and something that I, 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 I fell through. And in my second year of teaching, uh, my principal came to me and said, Nick, I, I know you, you've, you're you a business major. We've got this, this VE program. Would you, you want to give it a shot? I said, oh, let me take a look. And within Virtual Enterprise, I found uh, my philosophy of education. Let's, for the listeners, some know it, some don't, explain this, as I mentioned earlier, virtual enterprise international. What is it? And let's get back to that. Sure. So uh, VE is a, um, is a class. It's part of the school day. And uh, it teaches students business. They learn business by doing business. And the premise is a classroom is transformed into an office. And the students in the class become employees of a simulated company. And over the course of the year, they are going to create and implement a business together. One class, one business. And so there's a CEO, there's a chief financial officer, there's a marketing department, there's a sales department, human resources. And this group of 17-year-olds has to figure it out to put a business together and create a functional company. And that premise of that learning by doing, the, the ability for them to jump in, make decisions, and do things, is something that was so empowering and so powerful. And yet very different than the model of coming to class, sitting in class for 40 minutes, waiting for the bell to ring, and going on to the next class. Correct. This is not that. Not that. A model that I disdained. <laughs> well, but you taught in that model. That's right. Until... Let's get back to that inflection point where someone introduced you to this idea of VE. Okay, you taught math. Maybe I'll give it a try. This is where your transformation is heading, potentially? Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk about the experience and how the change happened from math teacher to the incorporation, or math teacher in the conventional model, to the incorporation of what seems to me like a disruptive model. 
Yeah, uh, so the, the basic tenet is, um, it sounds awkward, but do nothing. Uh, in that your job as in, in this role, and, and oftentimes when I'm talking to other teachers, it's, a, it's about facilitation. It's about stepping back and allowing the students to do. And through that process, seeing where they stumble or where they make mistakes and, and bringing that to light and, and, and applauding that and then steering that and helping to guide them. Um, you know, you don't answer a question in facilitation. You ask, you answer every question with another question. And you're, we're trying to get our students to both discover and to, uh, to try and to fail fast and fail forward and take those lessons and build on their experience. I tell people all the time, if, if I'm going to teach you something, I'm stealing your ability to do something. In this virtual enterprise, while you were the teacher, what you're really suggesting is they're all each other's teachers. Yes, and to yeah. a high school student, that is rather anathema, is it not? So imagine that you go through 12 years of education, and for the first time, someone is saying, what do you want to do? You make the decisions. Imagine that. You decide the rules. You decide how you're going to be graded. You decide what success is. And it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's different. <laughs> right. But now you, your transformation, you're in the midst of this thing that is, again, something new to you a little bit different than the training that you had to be a math teacher, and now you are involved and you were a VE teacher before you became president of the organization? Yes. What led you then from teacher to now running this organization? Was that another transformation? It was, it was, I remember at a time there was an inflection point in my teaching career when I was looking at what comes next, what do I do? How do I extend this? How do I um, do I look for different types of roles within this education field? And I came back to what it is that I'm interested in. And I was interested in doing um, interesting and challenging things, things that were hard, things that were fun. Um, and being able to take my impact on that 25 students in that, in that four walls, right? And then be able to extend that to now hundreds of students, thousands of students, many thousands of students. That was a really appealing uh, uh, approach. And so- Yet I, you were not trained to do this. No, but we learned by doing. Right, right? you learned by doing, so, so you, you stepped into that's it. That's right. And you took it over. I, I did. Something interesting happened along the way, but let me take a station identification, Nick. You are listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia and my guest, is Nick Chapman, president of Virtual Enterprise International. What you're suggesting, Nick, is a model that is additive to the U.S. high school education, but you're in other countries, are you not? Yes, yeah, so we are a model that uh, comes out of the apprenticeship models of Europe, and we're involved, we're partnered with 45 different countries around the world. So it's really breaking down the, you know, the, the barriers of business across cultural lines, country lines. And in spite of cultural nuances from place to place, the foundation of VE is similar? Yes. Right. You had mentioned to me in preparation for this that in addition to teaching the students who have VE in their schools, and it's not all schools in the United States, it's some? Some schools. How does yeah. that happen? So um, the, student, the schools that come on board to VE? Yeah. So oftentimes these are, are schools that are looking for ways to prepare their students for careers in new ways. Mm -hmm. um, we understand this model is not working for all students. Right. Um, and those schools that come to us and say, this is something we want for our students are, are the ones that are thinking forward, they're thinking ahead about how we best prepare students. Mm -hmm. um, how do we 
transform the way we think about workforce development, what it means to teach entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial mindset and education, and, and how we teach about careers and prepare young people for careers. And so it's those, it's those early adopters that are coming to us to say, we want this. They want to bring the practicality, but particularly a sound pointed toward the skill set that they need for the future, as opposed to, no offense to what's academic, but it's got to go beyond there. Correct. Because the expectations are too high and college is just too expensive. That is right. And we are in a position where we need to prepare young people for what comes next. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean the four-year degree. There is something that comes next. There is a pathway, but this is a journey. Um, this is not a, a, a linear path that many of these students take. As I mentioned before, Nick, you and I were having a discussion about the economic challenges that certain constituents within the United States face. And you had mentioned to me about the state of West Virginia is undergoing their own transformation, and VE is involved in that. Explain to our listeners what that means to the evolution of a child in West Virginia who's about to go to high school. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild one. So I've, I've spent a lot of time in the state over the last uh, several months working with teachers, administrators, students. Um, their, their challenge is not unlike others in, in, uh, around the country. But where they are is trying to change the mindset of a state in a changing economy. Um, it's no longer about the job, because the jobs aren't there. And I think that the, the, the folks that are most forward-thinking in West Virginia understand that the jobs aren't coming back. And the way that we're going to transform that economy is by empowering students to build what was not there before. But you're suggesting that what we know of West Virginia, it's predominantly, or at least we think of it as a coal mining community, if in fact the, there is not going to be as much coal taken out of the grounds, you've got to retool the what will be adults to do something else. That's right. So you guys have taken a stake in their educational future. That's right. And so we're working alongside of them to try to, to bring some innovative solutions to that. Um, you know, I was... I've been focusing a lot about on the future of work over the last few years and, and attending conferences and this, that, and the other, and really diving into the subject. And, and I, I, at one of these conferences, I asked someone uh, on a panel, I said, um, education is a big, slow boat that's really hard to turn. How do we have any hope of preparing the educational system for the future of work? And his answer was simple and profound. And he said, design thinking. If we teach every teacher design thinking, and we have them think about user-centric design and problem-based design, they will never teach an irrelevant lesson again. Make that tangible, Nick. So design thinking. You can teach someone to think how to design? So it's the, the, uh, the ethos of thinking about the user first and falling in love with the problem and not the solution. So not running from it, not avoiding it, confronting it. Confronting it. The way we change. That's right. And how does that work? So when you're looking in, in a design thinking approach, you're trying to understand what is the problem you're trying to solve, what is the, the empathy that you're having for that user that's having those problems, and then how do you create a solution that addresses that problem and is not just a solution because that's the thing that we think is going to work. And it's about iterative approaches. It's about testing things. It's about learning. It's about redesigning. It's about going back to the drawing board. It's about failing over and over again and eliminating failures so that we can get to a solution that actually works. And are you teaching the teachers? Are you teaching the students? Or does it just run downhill? We, we teach everyone. And what we want to do is it starts with teacher. 
And we want teachers to understand that what they're doing is they're helping to facilitate their students' learning and, and growth and development in this way, right? Right. And then we want students to adopt this approach so that when they look at the world, they're seeing problems that they can solve rather than where is this job that I'm going to find, right? So we're teaching them to solve their own problems, create their own opportunities, remake this, this economy in this way. And what have you learned along the way about yourself and your own transformation? <laughs> That it's hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's hard, but you have a tremendous responsibility to the masses of the people in this organization. What are you learning about people as you run this organization? Well, you know, the people are inherently hard workers that want to solve these problems. Um, you know, we oftentimes, you know, teachers take the the brunt of a lot of of, of issues in our country. Um, and they are the hardest working people that I know. Um, and every day they're working hard for their students. And, you know, I want to be uh, a, a support for teachers and for students to help give them the tools that make it easier for them to do their job. Mm -hmm. And that's how I live my life every day is how can I help them do their jobs And better? how are you getting better at that every day? <sighs> By getting out there and seeing them, talking with them, visiting with them, spending time in West Virginia, spending time in California or New York City or wherever I need to be, right? And, um, you know, you, you, you can't be larger than the front line. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, there's a great story about uh, Sam Walton and how he would go down to the Walmart loading docks at four in the morning to talk to the truck drivers unloading the trucks. And what happens there is is he got a sense of what works, what doesn't work, what's feel, what the feeling is, what's the pulse. And that is so important when you're trying to both lead an organization and, and drive change. Um, you can't be, you can't get a story uh, that's a story from a report. You need to see, touch, feel that story. And you don't need to be an undercover boss to do it. You don't need to be an undercover. You can boss. be transparent and visible and and apply those leadership lessons. Absolutely. Wow. What does the future of education portend? given the rapid changes in, in the world economy, and where does your organization play a role in that? So I think there's, there's we need to leverage more sources. Uh, we need to leverage uh, more partners, more th inputs. Um, you know, it, it, education can no longer sit in a silo on its own. Um, for example, I, we tell people all the time, we are translators between education and industry. Mm -hmm. um, business oftentimes doesn't understand the challenges and the bureaucracy embedded within education. And I don't know that education always understands the speed at which business actually operates. Um, so relying on partners. So as an example, um, we have some really fantastic partners that help us um, you know, to do this work. So when I'm thinking about uh, a leader in global sustainability, HSBC comes to mind and their and how they help us to understand what sustainability and leading sustainability means, uh, what it means to have, uh, you know, understanding talent and human resources from that perspective. Um, Intuit is, is helping us deeply in our work in West Virginia. That ethos that they bring around design thinking and, and how that pervades their entire culture and how we can adopt that into both our culture as an organization and the education culture around us. Um, you know, a partner like, like New York Life who's, in, who's asking the entire field of education to make middle school better so that we can prepare students better for the transition from, from eighth to ninth grade. 
Um, those are catalyzing forces that are helping to change that. So when we do that with partners, with with nonprofits like ourselves, intermediaries, and schools all together, it's it's a one world schoolhouse in a sense, and we're bringing all those pieces together. And I know there's often talk about the generational gaps and Gen Gen Z coming up. What what are you seeing in these high school students? It's it's wonderful to see. I'm seeing a, a, a vibrance um, in, in these young people. I'm seeing students that are willing to run through walls for things. Um, I think that they're bringing ideas now that are, um, you know, that they that need to be listened to. They're bringing, they're showing us the way on sustainability. They're showing us the way on diversity and inclusion. Um, they're teaching us how to have more respectful conversations, how to be more respectful about our environment, how to be more respectful of, you know, the business and solutions that we're providing. So they're teaching us something while we're teaching them something. That's a pretty good combination. Absolutely. Think about, Nick, for your own evolution and, and how you go to work every day. I want the listeners to know your mindset. What are you thinking before you begin your day in the service of those students? That's a great question. Um, like I said earlier, how can I help those educators provide a better experience for their students every day? And how can I create more opportunities um, for young people to explore and to find that path for themselves and to not fear failure? I'd imagine, though, changing the status quo, as we know, is hard you are trying to provoke that change. What's coming back to you? Resistance? You know, resistance exists in bureaucracy, hmm? right? So uh, we try to uh, sidestep that at all whenever we can, right? Um, you know, policy and bureaucracy does not serve the needs of students. So go to where you can serve students. And, uh, you know, there was an old lesson that I learned early on as a teacher. Um, you can take anything you want, you can hear it all, but when you close those doors, it's those four walls and those 25 kids. Mm -hmm. And much to that approach, we're trying to bring that across the entire organization in how, you know, put your head down, get the job done, give these great experiences. Um, don't worry about that other stuff, we'll figure it all out. Yeah, but you have a massive challenge here. I, I don't know how many how many students in how many high school students in the United States. So, in the United, there's about twenty five thousand high schools okay. in the United States, um, and you know we're in about four hundred and thirty of those right now. So you've got a lot of wood to chop. Got a lot of wood. To but chop. I would imagine though your goal is to try to get into as many as you can for those that are willing to buy your model. Absolutely, and not only that, it's for us to be uh, spokesmen for the model. And for the idea of learning by doing, by flipping classrooms, by making about student-centered work and exploration and self-discovery. And so whether that be in business or whether that be in STEM or whether that be in the arts or whatever it is, that we're bringing that mindset and we're bringing that change. Good. Now let's talk about your skill set. You are at this place where you have a responsibility that could scale to much greater heights. But I would imagine your ambition to be a musician led to being in the radio business led to math teaching math and yet you're doing something very different what are the takeaways for our listeners about the skill set necessary 
to provoke change, not necessarily in VEI, but yeah. your perspective is how you provoke it so they can learn from that. So it's knowing that there are many different paths that you're, you're on. Okay. And it is the courage to change paths when you don't like the path that you're on or you don't see where that is leading you. It is to embrace failure at every turn uh, and to fail forward, fail fast. I've said this a number of times already, but it's about that perseverance, mm -hmm. and that is the difference maker. It does not require your skill sets. It requires your uh, perseverance. Yet when I look at a high school curriculum, I don't see anything that you're describing. What's going on? Yeah, and th th that's the same question that all the employers ask me right. when I'm out there talking to them. Yeah. Uh, over and over again, I hear, I can teach them the hard skills. But yeah. If they can't show up on time, collaborate, communicate, be a team player, there's nothing I can do for them. It seems to me VE is the surrogate. Instead of teaching those classes that are listed as everything you're describing, you have that. That's right. That's what you do. Yes, every day. And that is how you are transforming the lives of high school students who were told just get an A in biology. That's right. And more importantly, we're trying to implore all subject areas to take that approach. Right. Good point. Right now, we know VE is a business-centric courses, but many people don't go to high school for just business. How do we transfer those skills to those non-business yeah. people? What are you doing about it? So thinking about that, and that, that's really where the, the meat of our work in, in West Virginia is heading. Um, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, welding programs and agricultural programs and construction trades and all of those technical skills that they're learning, but it's how do they apply that to the business or how do they apply business to that? How do they see that this is not just a, a trade that I'm learning, but this is a pathway to prosperity, to opportunity. I can create my own shop. I can create a business around this. Oh, my market is not just this community. It is the entire country. It is the entire world. So opening that up to see how they can take that and create a venture out of that, create an opportunity out of that. That's, that is the transformation. And let's, in the time remaining, Nick, let, let, let's, let, let's make this for your personal communication to the listeners on the questions we always ask ourselves on this show. What do we want our listeners to think? What do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to do? I ask you to answer those questions in the context of your career transformation. First question, what do you want them to think when they're in that transformation or thinking about doing something else? Yeah. I want them to think about what else is possible. Okay. So think of the possibilities. Number two, what do you want them to feel about all of this? Uncertainty. Embrace that uncertainty. And that it's okay not to be okay sometimes. That's right. And then the most important part, which is the execution quotient. What do you want them to do once they've come to some conclusion? Go for it. Fail. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid. Just take the failure as feedback. Perseverance. Perseverance. Iterate. And with Nick, we hear this time and time again. It is such a wonderful message, and I thank you for reinforcing all of these things. You have listened to... A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. My guest this evening was Nick Chapman, president of Virtual Enterprise International. Nick, thank you very much for coming into the studio. Thank you, Chuck. It's been a real pleasure. It certainly has. Thank you so much.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.